Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Highmark Church Podcast. Our heartbeat is to help people find and follow Jesus. So we pray this message encourages you, strengthens you, and helps you pursue the purpose Jesus has for you. This series has just been good. We've been talking about relationships, and not just marriage relationships, but we've been talking about really our a healthy foundation that we should all bring to our relationships with the opposite sex. And so this week we're concluding, and I think this is such an important topic that the church needs to address. This will be one of the topics I feel like as a church we're going to come back to over and over, that there's so much to it. There's so much that uh, we need to just kind of talk about and speak about to uh, see that God is in our relationships and is continuing to renew our minds and shape us differently. And you know, uh, you can easily go online and have friends that post stuff and you see they have relationship goals. And the whole idea behind the series has been like, maybe we should have relationship goals, but they're not necessarily the goals that the world is, is portraying or the goals that we see out, out there. But instead, we should have a biblical standard and, and godly goals in our relationships. And so this series, really, we've been zeroing in on that. And I love this week. You might have seen this clip. I want to just show you in a minute a clip of this guy named Blair Davis. And he went on Wheel of Fortune this week. And uh, they do the little intro at the beginning of, of it. And you might have seen it. It kind of went viral this week because he did a little intro about himself. And normally they say things like, I'm married to my beautiful wife and my lovely kids and things like that. But Blair, he had a little bit different take when he intro. Go ahead and roll the video, guys. Hello, uh, Blair Davis, Cardiff, California, owned the trucking business, it says here. Small trucking business yeah. in San Diego. Yeah. Good for you. And talk about your family. I've been trapped in a loveless marriage for the last 12 years <laughs> to an old battle axe named Kim. She cursed my life with three stepchildren named Star, RJ, and Ryan, and I have one rotten grandson. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! No wonder you came here. You just wanted to get away from everybody. I know you're being uh, facetious. Absolutely. I love them uh, like... No, like nobody's business. I'll bet you. Isn't that cool? It's funny that he said it like that. And he had actually, you don't have to worry about Blair and think like his wife is going to kill him. They actually planned that, to do that there. And they were interviewed this week and talking about really kind of why he did that. And he said, everyone always says that. I just wanted to come out and make a statement and, and people to see that. And so he cleared it with his wife. So hopefully he's not in too much trouble. He shouldn't be there. And so guys, uh, I just encourage you never to introduce your wife like that. Okay. So, but listen, I think the picture of healthy relationships and marriage is eroding. You know, like we could probably hear Blair give that description and most people are like, yep, I've been there. Like, yep, that's the truth. Yep, he's saying what everyone's thinking right now, you know, or what they're feeling right now. But the picture of healthy marriage is eroding. I actually think that it's under attack. The enemy is, uh, is attacking marriages and relationships because he knows he can impact an entire family. He knows he can have an impact on multiple generations. He knows that he can shift the focus off of, uh, off of one thing and bring all kinds of other distractions when he breaks up a marriage. So don't be distracted or don't think that, oh, it's just like one of those things that is changing or it's evolving. No, the enemy is attacking marriages. We got to look at it like that, that our perspective uh, is under attack here and that uh, really God has 
has a plan for all of us in our relationships that, that we have to discern and look for the answers as we go along. Now, I've really kind of thought a lot over the years, and Jamie and I have been married for almost 18 years, and we talked about marriage. And uh, one of the things that I realized is early on in our, our relationship and in our marriage that we would get into arguments. And the arguments I remember in particular early on would be because I was hesitant to open up. I didn't want to kind of open up and say what I really thought. You see, now in my family, we didn't really say what we thought. We just kind of held back. Now, you might have family dynamics that are the opposite of that. You say everything you want, you know, all the time, maybe even when you shouldn't be saying it, you know. Uh, But uh, our family, we didn't really kind of openly share those things. And I remember that uh, when we first got married, I actually struggled to open up, and we had arguments because of it, because when I re- what I realized is I was holding back because I felt like I had to be tough, like I couldn't open up my heart. I couldn't say, and what I realized is that as I peeled back the layers and the God's Holy Spirit began to really show me what the issue was in my life, it wasn't that I just didn't want to open up or make myself vulnerable or share, but that the root of it was a fear that there was a fear of being accepted, the fear of being rejected in our relationship. And I realized that at that moment that it's fear that is the root of the problem in so many of our relationship issues and so many of our argument issues. You see, we all have fears, and it's not just the kind of fears that I'm talking about, like, hey, I'm scared of snakes and I'm scared of spiders. Anybody with me right here this morning? Thank you. I see that hand in the back. Praise God. You know, like, yes, though we all have those types of fears and those types of phobias, those things that we're like, ooh, I'm scared of that, or I'm scared of heights, or I'm scared of that. But I'm talking about really some deep fears, some fears that paralyze us, fears that hold us back, fears that uh, make us stand and stop still in our tracks, and we're, we feel helpless, and we feel hopeless in the midst of them. Bible talks about fear a lot, actually. It talks about how much we're, we, uh, we need to fear not. It talks about do not, it tells us, it commands us, do not be afraid. You realize in, the, in scripture that the Bible over 365 times talks about uh, fear. It talks about and encourages us not to be afraid. Why? Because fear is such a big thing in our life. Whether we're aware of it or we realize it at, not, at first or not, that it's an undercurrent and it's an underlying thing that we almost have to peel back the onion of our life and our emotions and our thoughts and our feelings to really discover what comes at the core and at the root of that relationship issue or that, fe- that perspective or that argument. And we have to realize that sometimes it's a fear that's, that's been rooted in there, and the Bible addresses it over and over and over because God knew that we would need the encouragement to fear not. He knew that we would need the declaration, do not be afraid. He knew that we would need that. And I love that it says that it's over 360 times because I feel like we could find a verse or something for almost every day of the year that gave us the boldness and reminded us that God is with us. And that's the truth today, that God is with you through it all. So in the midst of fear, we don't have to shrink back. We don't have to figure out how to navigate around them. We don't have to figure out 
uh, really kind of uh, how to make it better, how to overcome it on our own. No, that is what Jesus is for. That is what the hope and the, and the uh, peace that comes with following God and his plan for our life is. But listen, the reality is we all have these core fears. They're deep within us. There are fears that they're not from God, but they might have been imprinted by your family history. They might have been part of something that happened in the past where, you know, there was a hurt. And it's a tool that the enemy uses. Satan is going to use that. And fear actually clouds our minds and it clouds our relationships. It, it can hold us back from everything that we can do. And so today I want to really dive into this and I want to talk about how fear can impact our relationships and then how we kind of handle it. And let's talk about how it clouds our minds. How does it cloud our judgment? How does it cloud our relationships? Well, here, I'm going to give you a few things right here that fear does. Fear first makes us selfish. It keeps the focus on ourselves. It keeps us focused on hey, how am I going to protect myself? You see, when I'm fearful, I'm trying to find out how I'm going to uh, protect myself or save myself. Now, I'm not normally scared of heights, but there's been a number of times when I've been out on the edge of something. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Where uh, I can climb a ladder and have no problems, but sometimes I'll have to get to the top rung of the ladder and stand on one foot and reach, and it's totally risky. Like, that thing could go out from underneath me, and I could fall. Maybe you're a little bit of a daredevil like me and you've been there. But I I remember and know in those moments that the thoughts are crossing my mind, even as I'm doing that, like this is dangerous. I'm actually scared of what I'm doing right now. And I'm coming up with a contingency plan. I'm figuring out how I can protect myself. And I've been on the roof before. I'm like, I can grab that gutter. I can slide down there. You know, I pictured like extreme ninja Don uh, suddenly in those moments. Like if that ladder goes, I'm going to be able to recover and make a thing. But fear actually keeps a focus on ourselves. It keeps a focus on how can we protect ourselves, And it turns into this self-focus that then we strategize and we're always thinking and always kind of trying to figure out where we need to uh, protect ourselves. And, and instead of looking at the other person and our relationship in our life, we're so focused in on ourselves. The next thing that fear does is it makes us sinful. It makes us sinful in our life that we do things that don't fit into God's plan. When we're fearful, we start to make choices and decisions that go off of God's guidelines and framework in our life. And we then, we kind of, we kind of like, instead of saying, Jesus, take the wheel, it's the moment that we're fearful and we're like, okay, I got this. We take over, like Jesus, slide over. You're my co-pilot today, you know, and I, you're not driving today. I got this. And we start to make choices and decisions that go away from God's plan simply because we're fearful in our life. We're fear to, fearful about this or that or the other thing. And so when that fear comes up, then it makes, we cause those choices that we just find the easy way or the way that is, is uh, acceptable to everyone else, and it makes us sinful. I think fear also makes us say negative and hurtful things in the people in our lives. We say it to them. We lash out sometimes. We're fearful. We get into arguments, and sometimes we're like, hey, I don't want to do that, or I, I, I see this in you. And so instead of addressing our own fear, we turn it around, and we lash out at someone else, and we say negative things, and we speak negative things, or we uh, uh, talk hurtful or say hurtful things to people in our lives that love us and care for us, and we lash out. The other thing fear does is it makes us stupid. <laughs> Come on. Look at someone around you today and say, like, you look pretty stupid. 
Okay, you couldn't say it, so it's okay. But when you're, fear, you're living in fear, you're not thinking right. So this is what I mean. Is that it's not your, your intellect is gone. I'm not saying that, but you're just not thinking right. It's clouding your perspective. It's clouding the truth in your life. And you're not seeing things correctly. And so you're, you're not stupid. The person next to you is not stupid. But it's that fear actually overtakes uh, the, the way, the design that God has for us. It overtakes and we're just not thinking right about our circumstances. And we start to pull put things in a different perspective. We put things in our own books. But we need to take a look at what the Bible says. I want to look here in just a moment. Uh, I want to look at the story where we see fear actually creep into to the narrative of men. You see, God didn't design it like that. And we're going to take a look at where fear begins. You see, because it actually happened, and we talked two weeks ago about how God designed the relationship between man and woman in the garden that he brought man and woman together, that he brought them together and no one should uh, tear them apart, but, but God in his perfect will designed marriage and there's a support to marriage. And we see just a chapter later, as they're in the garden, God has given Adam and Eve run of the garden, but he said that there's a tree in the middle of the garden called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he very simply says, you can eat of any tree, you can, it's all your domain, but that tree, stay away from it. So God gave him, he put it in front of him. There was a, there was a choice. There was, there was a, it was in the garden, but God had put all his goodness around it. And in, in Genesis chapter 3, I want to read a scripture. It's actually 12 verses, a little bit longer scripture than maybe I normally share on a weekend. But I want to read it so that you get the full perspective of what happened. Because in Genesis chapter 3, we see that the, the serpent in the garden, which is the enemy, which is Satan, he comes and he tempts Eve and Adam and says, listen, you can eat of that fruit of that tree of knowledge of good and evil. And this is what it says in Genesis chapter 3. Would you just read along? It'll be on the screen and, uh, with me if you want to follow along. The serpent was the shrewdest of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the, uh, the trees of the garden? Of course, we may eat uh, fruit from the trees of, uh, in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat it or even touch it, and if you do, you'll die. The serpent replied to the woman, he said, you won't die. God knows your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the woman was convinced, and she saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. She took some of the, the fruit, and she ate it, and then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were open, and suddenly they felt shame in their nakedness, and they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden, and so they hid from the Lord among the trees. And the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, it was the woman who gave me the fruit and I ate it. If you see that right there, 
That's a bad move by Adam, guys, okay? Just little lesson right there at the end of scripture we see. That's a bad move by Adam, okay? Never, 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 never just turn and blame Eve. But there's, there's something here in this scripture because you see what happened. You see what happened is after they ate of the tree that they were then afraid. Before that, fear was not present. But they ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they committed the sin against God's plan, and suddenly fear crept in in that moment. They were fearful because God had made it. They were, the Bible said they were naked, and they, they were unashamed, but suddenly they felt the shame, and they felt their nakedness, and they were hiding from God. Why? Because fear in that moment crept in. That was never God's design. It was never God's design. You see, God doesn't use fear to control us. God didn't put fear in our lives, so he's like, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna steer their path. I'm gonna help them uh, get to eternity in heaven. I'm gonna help them live a righteous life. God doesn't do it by fear. That's the power and that's the, that's the work of the enemy of our lives. Fear is not something that God uses to control us. He doesn't control us with it. You see, we don't have to live with it, that means. Our job then is to identify it and bring it to light. And I I think fear is the parent of worry and anxiety and so many problems that are plaguing, uh, plaguing us now in our society that we're just struggling and we're, we have all this worry and anxiety about the future or about what's, what we're in the midst of or about our life. And it all kind of comes back to this fear that is inside of us. And I want you to know, and I want you to remember that that doesn't come from God. That comes from the enemy. He's the one that said, hey, eat the fruit. And the fruit, when they ate it, that was when the fear entered in. We got to remember, listen, God doesn't control us. He's not, he's not in that trying to guilt us into it and I'm going to make him fear of this and fear of that. Listen, he gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us his power. The Second Timothy Chapter 1, verse 7, this is a great verse. It might be a familiar verse to you. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So you know what? Our job is to cast off a spirit of fear. Our job is to say, you know what? That doesn't come from God. And when I see fear in my life, I want to push that away. I want to step outside of that because that's not what God designed. Now, The reality is we all have fear that we're going to face. The reality is we're all sinful. We all have downfalls. And because of what happened in Genesis chapter 3, we're going to experience fear. But God says, listen, he says that I've given power, love, and self-discipline. That word self-discipline, you translate it. If you go into the Greek, it would kind of sound like I've given you a sound mind. I've given you a confidence. Like you don't have to question, but that there's a resolve in your mind, that there's a, there's a strength that comes in your mind from the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Now, there's an author, and he passed away a couple years ago, but he was such a great author and talked a lot about marriage. And his name's Gary Smalley. He wrote a book called The DNA of Relationships. And if you're looking for a book to read on marriages and and relationships, I would encourage you to grab that book, The DNA of Relationships. But he talks in that book about the fact that a lot of couples face a fear dance, meaning that they both are bringing fear to the relationship. Now, 
he addresses that there's core fears that men struggle with and core fears that women struggle with. And the women's core fears might be their fear of being disconnected from their spouse, the feeling of not being heard or valued, the fear of losing love and appreciation, fear of losing security. But men also have core fears they'll bring to a relationship, fear of being controlled, fear of failure, fear of disrespect, fear of rejection. And those things start to eat away at a relationship if they're not addressed. And let me tell you, if we just want to transform our relationships and our marriages, we got to start meeting the fears of our spouse with the perfect love that God gives us. We got to meet our relationship and bring to our relationship a love that casts out fear. And it's our job to bring that to the relationship. It's our job to bring that, not just to try, I'm going to fix my spouse, but instead I'm going to build them up. You see, fear needs to be disarmed. And the good news is that in all of it, that God's love removes fear. I'm thankful for that principle this morning, that God's love removes fear. Because you know what? Fear needs to be dismantled in our relationships. We need it to be disarmed. We need it to be removed. And that Bible show, the Bible shows us that love is actually the antidote for fear. And the source of fear is going to come from a number of different areas. It maybe comes from the rejection. We don't want to let people in. Fear of rejection. So when you don't let people in, then you, you put up some roadblocks and you put up some walls in your life and you actually then lessen the intimacy that you could have in your relationship. But love, it says, removes fear. Maybe it's the fear of, you might be in this place, I'm, I'm fearful that my needs aren't going to be met. I'm fearful that my, in the future, I'm not going to, uh, I, I, I won't have my needs met by my spouse. The reality is love drives out all the fear we got to realize in our life, our job is to figure out the voices that we're listening to. Now, not to sound like I have a disorder or anything, but there's multiple voices you can listen to in your life. You see, there's your own voice. There's the enemy, Satan's voice. And then there's God's voice. I think day in and day out, the biggest objective goal that I have is like, God, I need to figure out what voice I'm listening to. And I've realized that if we want to identify the enemy's voice, it's going to be anti-faith. It's going to question God's plan. It's going to be anti-love, and he's going to be anti-biblical. He's going to be everything against what the word of God says. So if you're walking through life and you feel like, hey, I am hearing things and I'm sensing things inside, if you're like, is that God telling me that? Is that coming from God? Or is it coming from the enemy? Or is it just my own thoughts? you got to learn to discern the voice of God. So the enemy, we got to watch out because he's throwing fear out there. It's going to make us question things. But I love this powerful verse in 1 John 4, verse 18. It says this. Such love has no fear because perfect love, it says expels. Doesn't that kind of sound violent? Like, did anybody ever get in trouble and get expelled from school? So I hope not in this place. But I, you know what? I did get suspended from school one time, okay? That's like a temporary thing. Expel is a permanent thing. 
If you got expelled from school, you're no longer allowed to come back. It's final. It's done. It's not just suspending it. It's expelling it. It's pushing it all the way out. Perfect love expels all fear. And if we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows us that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Listen, God wants us to operate in love. He wants us, and now this, is, this goes against, really, I would say, what the rest of the world says. This goes against, and I, I'm excited because as we wrap up this series, next week we're going to start a series called Kingdom Come, and we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. And we're going to talk about how that's different from the kingdom that, of, of this earth and how God is bringing a new kingdom forward. And we're going to talk about that beginning next week over the next several weeks. But I think this is so key because what that verse says right there is that our mind and our, our, our perspective is being shifted away from the things of this world and a focus then on God's love and in that it's his perfect love that drives out all fear. You see, God wants us to be free from fear. That's the bottom line right there. So we live on a different playing field. Because you know what? We're not depending on our own power. We're not depending on our own strength. We're not depending on our own uh, uh, intuition. We're not depending on our own decisions. We're not just depending on our own ability to push out fear. No, we're depending on God and his perfect love and strength that comes to us. And that's what drives out fear in our life. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. Come on. But our job then in our relationships is to disarm fear. It's to disarm fear. And I, I, last week we were talking about this and we talked about different aspects of our relationship and uh, how we have to be intentional in so many areas of our life. We have to be intentional. And the more you're married, you have to be intentional in the time that you spend, spend together. And actually, last week we gave out a, a card and we're gonna give it out again this week. So if you didn't get one, uh, we wanna make just a little investment and help you to be intentional. This is a, a date night tic-tac-toe that you can take with you here today. And so, guys, I'm putting you on the spot right here because I'm giving you uh, nine simple, easy, free, low-cost date nights that are all about spending quality time and you're probably getting a tap on the shoulder. You're getting nudged right now. Maybe your, your spouse is just staring at the side of your head so hard right now because this is one thing right now that uh, you are being put on the spot. And I want to give you this, and I want to challenge our church to be intentional over the next few weeks as, as this month ends. Just make time and try to get three in a row somewhere, okay? They're simple, they're easy. But just to be intentional, and we have to be intentional with our relationships and even with our time. So don't, don't forget to grab one of those uh, on your way out. And uh, we'd love to just see if you go out on a date and you're spending intentional time together, we'd love to see it. Tag us on at Highmark. Uh, we'd love to just celebrate what God's doing in your life and in your marriage and how you're being intentional with your time. But we have to be intentional in a lot of different areas. So what do we, when it comes to fear, how do we be intentional? How do we focus in? How do we, uh, what do we, are we equipped to do in our life? We have to realize that God's called us to be part of disarming the fear in our relationship. That it's an active thing that we're part of. Let me give you a couple takeaways here on disarming fear. And these are just simple things that you can do when you bring it to a relationship when you bring yourself to a relationship or you're building a relationship with a spouse or maybe potential spouse, 
that your job is to help disarm fear. Together, you can work on this and disarm fear in marriage. The first thing is this, is just drop the act. You have to kind of take the mask off. You say, well, we've been together for so long. There's no mask. There's nothing that we're holding on to. But listen, the reality is like you've got to open up, that you've got to drop the act and you let your true self shine through. And that is actually going to bring fear to the light. And it's going to bring fear face to face with love and the love of God and the love of another spouse. And so your job in your relationship is to drop the act and say, I know, you know what? I need to put some things out there. I need to open up a little bit more. And I'm going to drop the act so that I can let fear or I can let love replace the fear that I'm facing or feeling in my life. Second thing is this just own it, but also fight it. You got to own it and you got to fight it. I actually, if you look at, we joked about it, but if you look at Adam in Genesis chapter 3, what does he do? He's like, she did it. He blamed. He transferred blame to his wife. But the reality is we have to own it. That was the first kind of mistake. That was a real mistake that Adam and Eve, there was a blame transfer that happened. But the reality is that we just have to own who we are. We have to own the fears and the things that are in our past that have hurt us and built this up and, and been put into our life. And then say, you know what, I, I need to own that and I need to see that change. And so I'm going to fight it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to let God empower him. I'm going to let God uh, work through this and I'm going to fight it. And you enlist your spouse to fight it with you. I think a lot of times we actually look at our relationship and we think, oh, maybe if the spouse would just change, if he or she would just do this differently, then I would feel more secure, then my fear would be alleviated. And we don't address ourselves, but again, we point at the other person and say, if they would just do this, or if they just acted like this, then it would be okay. But the reality is that we just gotta own it and we gotta fight it, it's ours. We can bring it to the light. And the third thing just comes back to the, what we can do is just trust God, trust God. God can fix me, he can fix our spouse. And you know what, when we trust him, when we trust him, we see that his love just fills our relationship. And you'll get to a level in your walk personally with God and as a couple and as a, in your relationship where you've now opened it up and you've opened up and poured out all the fears. And as you do that, they're replaced with love. But ultimately we have to trust God. Let me just illustrate you, illustrate this for you. I won't illustrate you, I'm a bad drawer. If this is our life right here, if this is our life and we are a vessel that God has called, the reality is the vessel sometimes we start out life and we get a few things of fear inside of us. And we have fear inside of us in these moments and there are things that are in there that we can't get out. We maybe even realize they're there or maybe we don't realize they're there, but the reality is they're there. And suddenly we start to think, you know what? I'm gonna search for love and I'm gonna find that person and they're gonna bring out those fears. And so we're, we're looking for love and I'm gonna just pour some love in here, okay? And we pour that love in here and we feel like, you know what? That's gonna drive out all the fears. That's gonna drive out all that we have right there. But the reality is it doesn't fill us all the way. The reality is that 
the love that we can get from another human being doesn't fill the greatest love need in our life. It only fills us halfway. And the reality is that those fears are still there. They're still a part. They're still in there. They're still in the vessel. But when we trust God, and you know what? The reality is we get to this point sometimes and we feel like we get frustrated because we feel like, you know what? The fear should be out. I have this love and this relationship and I have the security and it's good. But the reality is it's maybe still sitting there in our life. It's still caught in there and we're, we can get frustrated and actually it can compound a little bit. There might be a couple other fears that start to creep into our life and they get placed in there and we're now they're inside of us. We're going the wrong direction that fear is be added to our life, but I love what this scripture in 1 John says that the perfect love drives out fear in our life. And it's only in trusting God that then we're filled to overflowing, that the love of our Savior then kind of fills the rest. And this is the victory that we have right here. You know why? Because suddenly the fear is all brought to the surface. And when the fear is brought to the surface, boom, I can get it out easy. And then I'm free of that fear. And you know what? You're not done because the enemy is still going to try to attack you. And he's still going to try to throw fear at you. But you know what? It's right on top right there. And you can push it off and I'm making a terrible mess up here this morning, but it's all right because you know what? That is the freedom that God gives all of us, that we have a freedom from fear, that no longer that, it doesn't mean the enemy's not going to throw it at it. He's not going to put it at us and and some things are going to shoot away sometimes right there, but he's going to throw it at us. But you know what? Again and again, boom, it can be just shoved right off the top. And I'm thankful that I serve a God right there that brings that type of freedom in my life. That when I fear, my fear can be replaced by the love of a savior. And all we have to do is just trust him in the middle of it. I hope that speaks today to where you're at. That maybe you got a glass half full because you've tried to fill it with every relationship you can find in this world. You realize that there's still some fear in there that's holding you back. Let me tell you, it's only the love of God that's gonna bring it all to the surface and help it get out and bring it out. And I'm thankful that we live in that type of victory. Thanks for tuning in today. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at Highmark. Go online to highmark.church to get all the details and plan your visit. Remember, God has a high calling for your life, so keep pursuing your purpose.